Good morning, Crosspoint. My message today is called God Bless Dads. And I just want to personally say happy Father's Day to all the fathers in our audience, grandfathers, great-grandfathers. And uh, I'm going to take advantage of the occasion. I love these special days. I love the gifts. I love the hugs. I love all the things that go with special occasions like this. And so this morning I'm going to be preaching about fathers because it gives us an opportunity to do three things. Number one, if you want to take your notes out, it gives us an opportunity to obey the Bible. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 1 and 2, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is what? What's the next word? Right. And so what we're doing today is good. It is holy. And it is right to honor our fathers. Well, what about mom? Same side of the coin. Absolutely. And it hasn't been that long ago that we honored our mothers on Mother's Day. But being a father is one of the greatest privileges in all the world. I wouldn't take anything for the fact that I get to be a father. Now, there are problems that go with it. There are, there's a price to pay. There, there are thorns sometimes associated with fatherhood. But the roses, I tell you this morning, far outweigh any of the thorns that you might receive from being a father. The second reason we're talking about fathers today is to praise them. Billy Graham once said that a good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets in our society. Amen? I love that quote. You can praise fathers into greatness. And most of us dads Need all the help that we can get. Amen, dads? I mean, stumble and fumble the way that we do. We fall short of what we want to be many times. And when we do that, well, you can beat us up. You can preach to us. You can belittle us. You can malign us. But the best thing you can do for us is just to praise us and encourage us to be the man of God that God wants us to be. You can praise us into greatness. And when fathers are thanked, and when fathers are reminded of their efforts, well, I just believe it would help us to be a whole lot better. And there's a third reason why we're going to talk about fathers today. Obey the Bible, to praise them, but number three, to make an appeal. To make an appeal. I don't know of anything the United States of America needs today more than godly fathers. Well, what about mothers? Of course, we need godly mothers as well. But wouldn't it be wonderful if all of our men that served in this world, maybe in a public way, were first godly fathers? All of our governmental candidates were first godly fathers. Our police officers were first godly fathers. Our school teachers were first godly fathers, and you can just go right on down the list. Isn't it interesting when God wanted us to know what He is like? He described Himself as a what? A father. Just that pure, just that simple. You want to know what God's like? He's a father. 
You know, I understand that there are some fathers that are worth forgetting. All they brought into your life was pain and stain and heartbreak and heartache. But you know what? They're the exception to the rule. And you know what? Our Heavenly Father's not like that. Our Heavenly Father is a good Father, a holy Father, a Father that loves us more than He loves His own comfort. For God so loved the world that He what? Gave. God Himself came down from heaven to die on a cross for us. We have a good Father. Genesis chapter 4, we first read about fathers. The Bible says that Adam had a couple of sons, Cain and Abel. That's a father, right? In Proverbs chapter 4, Solomon gives some wisdom from a father to a son, some wisdom that he received from his father, David, which he had taken all of his advice. But he said some good stuff. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning. So do not forsake my what? My teaching. For I too was once a son, tenderly loved by my mother as an only child. He taught me and said, lay hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live a happy life. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words. I want to just say something to all the sons and daughters here this morning. If your dad, if your father is trying to be God's man, if he's trying to be all that God wants him to be, you pay attention to his words. For what he's telling you is right. He is speaking from experience. He is speaking from love. He is speaking with right motives. He's not nearly the dummy that you sometimes think he is if he's trying to be God's man. Amen? And you know, it doesn't mean you have to be a perfect father in every way, but you do have to be genuine. And when you are being genuine, your kids will see that. They will make note of that, and they will follow your lead. 1 Thessalonians 2.11, Paul describing his ministry, he says, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. And how does a father deal with his own children? Encouraging, comforting, urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Paul says the best thing that describes my ministry is that of a father. And fathers should be encouragers. Fathers should be comforters. Fathers should be urging their kids to walk in the ways of the Lord. What am I saying this morning? What I'm saying is, dads, don't leave the church going to moms. You take the lead. You set the standard. You set the example. Dad, you should be the first one up on Sunday morning, getting the family ready to go so everyone follows your lead. Father, set the example. You don't have to be perfect, but you do have to be genuine. Now, what is God like? 
the number one illustration in Scripture, not so much in the Old Testament, but boy, in the New Testament, it is there. The number one illustration of God is that of a father. The disciples come to Jesus one day and they say, Jesus, teach us to pray. Jesus says, okay, gather around, guys. I want to give you a little insight. When you approach God, when you talk to God, here's what you say. You say, our, finish it with me, Father. Say it again. Our Father. The best thing you can know about God is, He's your Father. And He loves you. I wonder sometimes if God's interested in me. You ever have that thought? You ever wonder if God is interested in my life and my circumstances and what I'm up to? And then I got to thinking about that one day when I became a father. And I was totally interested in my son. When he was a little guy, when he'd come home from school, he would be so excited and say, Dad, guess what I learned today? Or guess what we did today? We went on a field trip. We went on an outing. And he was so eager to share. And I was so eager to what? Listen. Why? I'm his father. I'm interested in the life of my son. Now, as they grow, you pick them up from school. How was school today? Fine. Would you do anything new? No. Want to talk about it? No. Now, they they go through that phase, but then they kind of go through and come out the other side. Because today, still today, I love it when my son calls me. Sometimes he may call for advice. Sometimes he may call just to find out what we're up to. Maybe to, to, to put together dinner plans as we've got coming up next week. Sometimes he'll call and, and just uh, tell me about something new at work or something new that he got or a project that he's working on. And I'm still every bit as interested as when he was just a real small boy. And then I got thinking about God. God is interested in me. God is interested in my life. If I, as an earthly father, am interested in my son, just think of how our heavenly father is interested in every aspect of our daily lives. He's a good father. He's a good God. What's the plan of salvation in a single verse? Matthew 21, 28. A certain man had two sons. That's a father. Right? When you got sons, you're a father. And he came to his first son and he said, Go work in my vineyard. Being saved is as simple and as reasonable as a father saying to his boys, Go work in my vineyard today. You know, that's not unreasonable. God wasn't going to work them to death. God doesn't work us to death. And you know what? Some boys say, Yes, I'll go. And some boys say, No, I won't go. And you know what? That's the plan of salvation. Some people hear the gospel and some sons say yes and some sons say no. Which one are you? I hope you're a son, I hope you're a daughter today that when your father offers the invitation of his love, of his forgiveness, of his grace, that you'll say yes, I'm all in. 
I want to be in your kingdom. I want to live with you forever. And I want to serve you till you come. The Bible has a word for that. It says, occupy till I come. It just means be of service. God has given every single one of you a gift, a talent, an ability that is unique, uniquely you. Everybody in here is a 10 at something. And God wants to put that to work in His vineyard, in His kingdom. And He wants us to stay busy with those activities until He comes. Luke 15 has been called by some as the gospel in a nutshell. Maybe you might think of Luke 15 as the Reader's Digest version of the Bible. And it, and it tells a story, a very simple story of a father who had two sons. And the, the older brother and the younger brother story. And the younger of the two went to his father And he basically said, Dad, I wish you were dead. I want my inheritance, and I want it now. He didn't say it in exactly those terms, but when do you normally as a son or a daughter receive your inheritance? When your father has died, not before. But the father gives it to him. And the son takes the money, plenty of money, and he goes, the Bible says, into a far country, And while he is there, he spends a life of riotous living. I mean, he lives it up. I mean, he he leaves nothing out. And while he had lots of money, he had lots of quote-unquote what? Friends. But when the money ran out, so did the quote-unquote friends. And the Bible says that a famine hit the land. And the only job that this boy could get was that of feeding swine. And he got so hungry, the Bible says, that he began to eat the pig food. Now, aren't you grateful that some really nice, well-meaning Jewish mother didn't run out there and say, you poor Jewish boy, what are you doing feeding pigs? Come on home with me. Let me feed you and take care of you. Aren't you glad that did not happen? Because if that would have happened, the boy never would have came to himself and the boy never would have went home. Sometimes you've got to hit bottom before you make a turnaround. Sometimes you've got to be flat on your back before you ever look up. Somebody said the best place to tie a knot is where? At the end of the rope. Because, man, that's the best place to hang on. Well, anyway, the boy came to himself. Aren't you grateful? Some boys never do. This boy came to himself, and he begins thinking in this pig pen, what am I doing here? In my father's house, even the servants have way more than I do. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go home. And I'm going to beg and I'm going to plead for my father's forgiveness. And I'm going to say, I have sinned against heaven. And I've sinned in your sight. Dad, would you just make me as one of your lowly servants? I don't have to be restored to sonship. If you'll just make me a servant in your house. Dad, that would be enough. That would be enough. And so, verse 20 says, He got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father did what? Saw him. What's that tell you about the father? The father is looking for the prodigal's return. The father is watching. I kind of picture here him on the 
on the front porch every day looking down that long road in which that boy left some time ago, hoping, wishing, praying that he would return. And he sees a little dot off on the horizon. But he knows who that is. Maybe it's something the way he walked. There was a familiarity about that person walking down that road that the father knew that was his son. And then what's the father do? He runs. He not only sees, but he runs to the child. He runs to the prodigal son. You know, some fathers might think, well, I wonder what that boy's excuse is going to be. I just can't wait to hear this one. You know, he better have a good one if he ever expects me to welcome him back. That is not at all our Heavenly Father. Will God run for you? Will God run for me? You bet He will. And He runs to His Son. And then the Son begins the speech. I'm sure He had been rehearsing all the way home. Father, I've sinned against heaven and Your side. I'm no longer worthy to be called Your Son. If You would just make me as one of Your servants. And the Father says, Nonsense! Go and get the robe and put it on my boy. No, Father, you don't understand. I don't deserve a robe. Yeah, I, don't, I, I don't deserve that. Go get the ring while you're at it. No, Father, I don't deserve the family ring with the family insignia on it, restoring him to sonship. I don't deserve that foolishness. Yes, you do. Go get the sandals and put it on his feet. But, Father, I don't deserve the sandals. And while you're at it, kill the fatted calf because we're going to have a barbecue for Ben. That was a play we did years ago here at this church about this story. Go kill the fatted calf, for this my son was lost, but now he's what? He's found. This my son was dead, but now he's alive. And they threw one big party for that boy's return. Ooh, and isn't that a good story? And isn't that so like our God? So like our Heavenly Father. I don't know what your condition with God is this morning. Some of you may have been away on a long journey, far from God. Here's the message of this story. It doesn't matter how far you are from God, it's just one step back, and God will receive you. It doesn't matter which direction your feet used to be facing, but which direction are they now headed? Are you headed for the Father? If you are, He is here this morning to welcome you with open arms and greet you and bring you back into the family. If you ever wake up, those of you that need to, here's what you'll find. A Father that sees, a Father that runs, and a Father that forgives. And that's exactly how we earthly fathers ought to act, like our heavenly father. And that's what fathers do. They love and they give and they forgive. That's what I want to be. I want to be a good preacher. But more than anything else, I want to be a good father. And now a good grandfather as well. The best gift we fathers can give our children is to be Bible reading, soul winning, money-giving, praying dads who reacts the way that God would react. That's what I want to be. But where does it start? Matthew chapter 6, 
verse 33, but seek first the kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well. If we seek first the kingdom, dads, so will our kids. Chances are, so will our kids. They will follow your lead. Some men pulled up to a lumberyard in a pickup truck, and one of the men walked into the office and he said, we need some four-by-twos. And the clerk said, well, um, don't you mean two-by-fours? And the fellow went, well, just a minute, let me go back out. And he went out back out to the truck, and it was out there for a few minutes. And he comes back into the lumberyard, says to the clerk, yeah, 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 you're right. We need some two-by-fours. And the clerk says, well, how long do you need them? He says, well, I don't know, just a minute. He heads back out to the pickup truck out there, talks to the fellows, and he comes back in. He says, mister... We're going to need them a long time because we're building us a house. (laughs) Dads, we're in the building business as well, aren't we? We're building us a house, a home, where we raise kids to know God and to love God and to serve God and to be with God throughout eternity. Dad, get yourself saved so your kids can be saved. It's the best gift you could possibly give them. If, if I could build a father, if I could build a father, I think I would build me, but with this caveat, with a whole lot more patience and a whole lot more godliness and a whole lot more love. Any fathers understand what I'm saying? I want to be me, but I need those other things, the characteristics and traits of my heavenly Father. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.8, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Anybody familiar with the old baseball player? Harmon Killebrew, does that name ring a bell? I remember listening to that name on on, on the radio as we would listen to the games played throughout the country. used to play for the Minnesota Twins. As he was growing up, he says, my father used to play with my brother and me in the backyard and uh, throw the ball around, and we were kind of tearing up the lawn one day, and mom came out the back door and hollered, you're tearing up the grass. And he says, I love what my dad said to my mom. My dad said, honey, we're not raising grass, we're raising boys. Ooh. That is so true. Dads, we're raising boys, we're raising sons, we're raising daughters. Let's invest in them. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you help us dads that stumble and fumble and fall short many times of what we should be? Would you help us to raise godly boys and godly girls who know you? If we fathers had a prayer today, it would be something like this. Father God, make me a better father, a more patient, more godly, and more loving father. A father that seeks first the kingdom of God. This is our prayer this Father's Day. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and let's sing to the Lord.